Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for preachers and all other lovers of the Hebrew Scriptures. I'm Rachel Wren. And I'm Tim McNinch. You know, I just moved, and, and out the back window here, I see all these little uh, little salamander things crawling around. Uh, this is a little salamander-sized episode, uh, and in a few weeks, uh, we'll have another of our big old Komodo dragon-type episodes. Uh, but for now, we are in uh, the book of Habakkuk. Uh, a couple excerpts from Habakkuk, which are the lectionary text for November 3rd. Yeah, I had a little salamander when I was growing up. His name was Stuart, after Stuart Little the mouse. I know it doesn't make any sense, but I was eight, so don't judge me. But all that is to say that, uh, no, I can't make it relevant. Anyway, so I'm coming at you today with basically just one preaching point. But I think it's a good one. And I think it's actually a really important one for what's happening around us right now. So I want to lift it up to y'all. It's about how we talk to God. Tim, you started to hint towards this when we were doing Lamentations a few weeks ago. And in Habakkuk, we take that idea and really see it come into its full form. But before we get there, let's talk a little bit about Habakkuk and who he was. Now, this is an interesting prophetic book in that there is no direct address to a listener or to a reader. The entire thing is a conversation between God and Habakkuk, which we might call Backy if we're feeling a little cheeky. We're listening into their text thread between God and Backy. We're peeking into their personal Snapchat. And it is a fascinating discussion that can teach us a little bit about how we might talk today too. Because the discussion comes out of a place of pain. The Babylonians are a central concern to this book. It is a big problem for the prophet. And just in case we've forgotten, remember, the Babylonians were an empire that ultimately destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and exiled many of its people. So most likely, this book comes from just around that time period, maybe somewhere after the first exile, but before the second exile has been completed. This is, again, about 500 years before Jesus, and violence and disaster are just around the corner. So it starts off in verse 2 with the phrase, How long, O Lord? The Hebrew of this is Ad Ana, Ad Ana. And this phrase would have been immediately recognizable as something bigger than itself, signaling actually a genre. It's sort of like when we say something like, once upon a time. We both understand the words, we know the English, and we understand what it's saying, but we also understand something larger than the phrase itself. We know that the person speaking to us is about to say something that isn't real, not verably scientifically true in a factual reality. It'll probably be fanciful, something that kids would maybe enjoy, and maybe even have a moral at the end of the story. And we know this because this phrase, once upon a time, signals a particular genre, the fairy tale. In the same way, Ad Anna would likely have signaled a particular genre to Habakkuk's listeners, the lament. Now, a lament, for those of you who don't remember your form critical lesson from your Psalms class, but really, I mean, how could you forget that kind of ecstasy? (laughs) A lament is a kind of crying out to God. It didn't always start with Adonah, but it always had some of that similar idea. It was a testimony to some kind of pain that the person is experiencing. 
along with a desire and a request for God to do something about that pain. So here, Habakkuk is not just asking a question of God, how long will I cry and you not listen? Habakkuk is signaling a lament. I not only want to know the answer to how long this is going to take, I want to signal to you, God, that I am wholly and heartily sick of this, and I think it's beyond time for you to do something about it. Odd anah. And we get that, right? I mean, we really get where Habakkuk is coming from here. How long, O Lord, shall we shout to you violence and you will neither answer nor save? Violence. This is perhaps one of the most relevant things we could preach on today. How long, O Lord, will violence define our day-to-day life? Now Habakkuk is just getting started here. In verses 3 to 4, he goes on, and it's intimate in a way that's in some ways reminiscent of Jeremiah, of the conversation Jeremiah and God have in chapter 1 of that book. Habakkuk says, Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you cause me to look at trouble? In a kind of strangely humorous twist, Habakkuk doesn't actually ask for the violence to end. He just wants to stop seeing it. Now, this isn't saying that Habakkuk doesn't want violence to end. We learn in the next verse that Habakkuk is tired of seeing violence that never changes. He's so tired of seeing it run rampant, unchecked, that he cries out to God. And in that crying out to God, he says something even more radical than, why are you making me see this? He says one of the most transgressive things a prophet could possibly say. And the NRSV either totally misses it or chooses not to translate it. Because in verse 4, after naming the fact that destruction and violence and strife and contention are wreaking havoc in the land, Habakkuk spits out, Alkain tafug Torah. Do you hear any words there that sound familiar? Well, not you, Tim. You're a Hebrew scholar. But (laughs) Torah, right? the most holy and good and gracious gift of God's to God's people, the boundaries of the covenant, the means by which God can be in relationship with these folks. So what is Habakkuk actually saying about the Torah here? Alkain means therefore, and tafug, it means something like fall helpless, be utterly stunned, powerless, fail. Habakkuk is so overwhelmed with the violence he's seen that he is lashing out at God. He's saying, look, God, I am sick to death of seeing violence run rampant and the Torah is failing at dealing with it. And that's basically just a nice way of saying, I'm tired of seeing you fail at fixing this, God. This is big for a prophet to say. And that is the power of the form of lament. It allows you to say things to God that you would never dare say normally. Look at Psalm 88 if you need another example. It is, if you forgive my language, unrepentantly pissed off and wants God to do something about what's going on. Lament allows us to come to God with our very unpretty thoughts and feelings when it comes to something like violence. 
Now, if you as a pastor have never done this, never come to God with your anger and with your deepest pain, I highly recommend it. For pastors, seminary can be a really tough time. And you know, to be quite honest, it doesn't get a whole lot better after that in the church in some ways. It is hard. And we need to be able to bring that anger to God in a way that doesn't just pretty it up or doesn't just piously try to say, and yet I shall trust in you. Habakkuk is beyond the point of that right now. All that is left to him is to bring it before God. Now, of course, that's all well and good. But the very next question, of course, is, okay, Rachel, we see examples of people talking to God in this way. But what does God say back when God is spoken to like this? Our lectionary text for the day includes that answer as well. If we turn to chapter 2, in verse 1, I picture Habakkuk with his chest heaving, breathing deeply after having shouted his lungs out to God, hands on his hips, legs akimbo, just daring for a divine response of anger. And what does he get? The Lord answered me and said, Write the prophecy down. Inscribe it clearly so that anybody could read it. And in verse 4, he goes on to call Habakkuk righteous, emunah, a word that means something like firmness, steadfastness, fidelity. God has just been shouted at by a puny human. He's been called to task, chastised, insulted, told in no uncertain terms that he has failed. And in response to this lament, God says, write it down. Let it be seen. Let it be heard. You are faithful for speaking to me this way. God takes Habakkuk's critique and honors it. This is a kind of speaking to God which may be helpful to people in the pews who have run out of ways to ask, God, please stop the horrific violence in my world. Teach them to lament. Teach them this style of shouting your pain at God of which God approves. In the safety of the form of lament, you can say these things to God because the setting out of which you're saying it is one of deep pain and suffering, just like we talked about with lamentations earlier. Over and over and over again in the Old Testament, we see a God that refuses to reject accusatory laments that might be considered inappropriate by the pious or even heretical. In the midst of violence, in the midst of suffering and contention and strife, when you bring your pain to God through lament, God honors it, says write it down, and God accepts it as the testimony of a faithful servant. This is a radical way of relating to God that the people in your pews might be blessed by. That'll preach. (laughs) Thanks, Rachel. Well, folks, that brings us to the end of our episode this time around. We have a couple more of these mini-episodes before we get to one of our full-length episodes coming up. But in the meantime, you can check out what we've got going on over at our website, firstreadingpodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the feed, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Until then, I'm Tim McMinch. And I'm Rachel Wren. Happy Lamenti preaching.